This week on Back of the Grid, we're going to take you through the news. We're going to talk all about the storylines leading into the USA Grand Prix, and uh, we'll make our predictions. Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. I'm your host, Stu, and I'm joined, as always, by Tom. Hello. And by Chris. Evening. And what a week it is to be a Formula One content creator. Not only do we have a new world champion with five races to go, but <laughs> there's not really an awful lot of news <laughs> into the uh, USA Grand Prix this weekend. However, we have managed to... What? scrape the internet for some uh, some interesting points of conversation so uh, we'll take you through them right now we're going to start with andretti engines chris i feel like if nothing else we're kind of always going to have some kind of andretti news now like this is going to be a regular yeah. feature is just what's going on with the andretti entry this week yeah uh, maybe we need like a andrettiometer like how likely are they to get a spot <laughs> this particular week an andrometer there you go We'll work on it. Um, <laughs> this week, I'd say it's looking yeah, less likely, then. given that Renault have said that they had a pre-agreement to supply Andretti with engines, um, basically until Cadillac had got their own power unit ready. And that agreement has now lapsed, and there are no new talks about um, restating that pre-agreement. Um hmm. The FAI president has uh, stuck his oar in, as he's wanted oh, to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he has said that um, regardless of this, Andretti would uh, would be getting a power unit if they got a spot on the grid uh, under the... Basically, there's a rule within F1 that says if a team cannot find a deal to have a power unit, the power unit supplier that currently supplies the smallest number of teams is obliged to give them a power unit, basically. Yeah. Um, oh, well, not to give them, but to sell them. Well, yeah, one. to to sell them one at market price, I suppose. Yeah. Um, as things currently stand in 2026, that would be Renault and Honda. Um, technically, Audi come under that as well, but there's a kind of provision within the rules that if you're a brand new power unit supplier, you're not expected to suddenly start building extra ones for a, another yeah, team, I which think I think is fair. That would be it's pretty harsh, enough. wouldn't it? Like <laughs> it your was, first season yeah. in Formula One, whatever. I don't think Audi have ever done Formula One before. I don't think so. And actually, it, yeah, yeah. Welcome. Just make another engine. For yeah, this you whole got a couple team, more please. of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, some people in F one, sort of, I guess most notably Renault themselves, have said that that rule is maybe not quite as clear cut as Mohammed Ben Suleiman is making out, and that new entries don't necessarily fall underneath that rule. Um, it's a strange one though, because the the pre agreement as far as we know, would basically be Renault would give Andretti engines for two or three years, allowing them to rebadge them as Cadillacs until Cadillac have actually built their own power unit. But I can't see if it comes down to this, you are now obliged to sell them an engine whether you like it or not. There's no way in hell they're going to be like, oh yeah, you stick whatever badge you want on that. Like It's like if we, yeah. if we have to give you one of our engines, it's going to be called a Renault. Different scenario, isn't it? The, I mean, the, the last time this came up, it was when Red Bull were trying to get away from Renault, wasn't it? And the irony yes. being that if nobody else stepped in to help them, they would have had to have a Renault engine. 
that was the last time this scenario came around. But so I guess there is possibly something in there that's I've not read the the thing word for word. So there might be something that kind of says possibly. it's more about keeping an existing team on the grid than having to supply new ones. But I can't see why it'd make any difference. Like why would it, it matter like- if it's a new team or not? Guess. It just feels like one more thing for F1 and the FIA to argue about, doesn't it, really? As per. Yeah. There's yeah. plenty of those, isn't there? Um, yeah. So how come they're not coming in with their own engine? How come they're not taking this opportunity to develop outside of the rules of F1 before they join and um, make a power unit that's I guess it could be competitive? I suppose it's time and money, isn't it, right? Like 2026 sounds like a long time away, but that's not a million years to develop a mm. power unit. No, no also, it's a very short period of time actually to develop a power unit yeah i don't think the, the rules have been fully finalized yet though have they we know that no, we, that's that's true we know actually. that we know that we're changing the the electrical capacity and the it's the which way around is it it's the the mgu mgu k no, mgu h is the one that's going in mgu k is yeah. the one saying so there's the, the base is there we know the base but if you're a new manufacturer and you've not got a fully written out rule set to work to yet then it's a little difficult, isn't it? Yeah, because because well, I think the main issue is is probably that the um, the internal combustion engine isn't changing, really, is it? It's true it's that, that going to be yeah one point six one point six turbo, cylinder. but they're getting rid of the hybrid uh, element of that turbocharged engine. But they're all, well, they get rid of the MGU H element. Yeah, yeah, but there's still it still be a turbocharged engine though. Otherwise, you're never going to get the power from a 1.6 liter V6. Like, no yeah, matter how yeah. exotic materials you are, unless you've got some form of forced induction there, you're not getting like you know, the no. levels of power that they that they want to get out of these. Yeah, engines. so there, it is still like I, I, I its core a V6 turbo. So I guess they could. But then, if you're Cadillac, do you want to start spending tens, hundreds of millions of dollars? on an engine that, as things currently stand, there's no guarantee you're going to need because Andretti haven't been. And yeah, and this is that as well as not an official entry yet, is it? And I think this is part of F1 and the team's strategy is just keep this going as long as they can to make it as difficult as possible for them. Yeah, it smacks of that, doesn't it? Like they want to, it really they want to, They're slowing things down to make it as, as inconvenient as possible mm-hmm. for Andretti to do this entry until it dies a death. If they if they can prolong it for long enough, then it will die and it'll go away. Yes. I suspect being in America this weekend, I mean, I imagine Michael Andretti is going to be there <laughs> sticking You'd his face so. in front of every camera he can. Um, I think we've already had a lot of team principals answering questions on this and giving not particularly satisfying answers. And I think we're probably going to get a lot more of that this weekend. Yeah, I think so. I think James Vowles on uh, on Sky last weekend in Qatar, not last weekend, weekend before in Qatar, yeah. gave a very um, impassioned interview about he did. all the reasons why he as Will- he and his team Williams don't want a new team. But I think it as as much respect as I have for him and that team, I still think a lot of the reasoning that he put forward in that interview lacked. A bit of understanding of the uh, the audience that he's sort of in front of. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, I it's think selfish it ultimately, isn't it? Like it, yeah. it's you can you can dance around it and word it however you want, but ultimately it's uh, we don't want another team that will potentially finish higher than us. It's, it's that, not just that it, it, his his main point was about um, it was more about the the 
according to James Wells, there's a finite number of sponsors available to sponsor Formula One teams, which I don't think mm. is strictly true. I, don't I think, think I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I think there are a certain number of sponsors in Formula One that, you know, that bring sponsorship to the table right now. There's no reason why more sponsors couldn't appear to support yeah. additional teams. If if your team aren't doing enough to attract sponsorship, then that's surely that's your team's problem. It's, you shouldn't be worried about another team coming in and bringing sponsors, I mean, whatever sponsors they've got with them. You only have to look at what sponsors are on their car now compared to what sponsors are on it last season alone, let alone three seasons ago. Sponsors change all the time. There's yeah. always sponsors coming in and out of the sport. So yeah. a new team isn't going to make any difference to that. Yeah, it, it does make it... Uh, he, he's got half a point because it does make it... It does make it more difficult for your team to you know attract those sponsors that are coming in there's only so many coming in and out every year but again it's just it's just down to hard work the teams just have to work harder to get their sponsors and you know that's part of the game it's always been part of the game i mean a handful always come from the drivers though as well so if you if if you want yeah if you want as much sponsorship as possible you need drivers that bring sponsors like there's a number of sponsors that Williams have had over the years that have come from their driver outfit. Like that's, that's where like when Latifi was in the sport, that's where Lavazza and everything came from. And just as a random example. And yeah, if I I don't think the situation is anywhere near as desperate as what he's saying, basically, I think it's just a bit of a, it's a, it's a smoke screen. I think Uh, think it's, it's, it's just another excuse that they've come up with. It's another bit of political spin that the teams are, are all coming up, we're all cooking up to to try and stop this from happening. But at the end of the day, look, it's pretty obvious, I think, why none of them want a new team. And that's, there's a, well, yeah. there's a few reasons. I think they're running from a fight, um, in the words of Christian Horner. And I think they also, they're, they're worried about like, obviously the, the prize money being diluted. They want, they're, they're scared of not having that, extra prize money coming in from from uh from formula one after five years but like they've got a, again like those reasons are not necessarily valid because poor andretti are gonna have to pay what 600 million to get in to cover away, the cost yeah. of yeah. this five years across all these different teams so yeah i think i think the bases are covered i think they're just they're worried about I think the primary concern is competition. Andretti is a big name. They're, they're success. They're serious racers. Yeah. Um, they've got the gear. They've got the goods. Uh, <clears> Successful in other other sports, other yeah. motorsports yeah. already. And I think. I think what frustrates me the most is that all of these teams signed up to compete to a set of rules that include provision for twelve teams. Yeah, and they signed yeah. a Concord agreement that says this is how much it will cost other teams coming in to make you all happy and then the second there's actually a realistic chance of another team coming in now they're all throwing their hands up and saying oh hang on this isn't going to work yeah. like, well you all signed both of these you know you signed that document you've agreed you to, to it already yeah, yeah 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 ridiculous it's, it's, it, this is going to drag on and on and on even through the off season i think this is going to be dragging on and it's just going to get it's already getting really really boring and really really it's oh. almost a bit embarrassing like you're scared to compete against a new team dude you're formula one you're a formula yeah. one team like competition's part of the game like get used yeah. to it and with the driver market being so stable this is going to be one of the only stories to keep people going over <laughs> the winter so it is going to be non-stop yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so. Should we move on? Yeah, yeah. I think we should. Um, talking about tyres is boring, so we'll keep this fairly brief. But um, <laughs> as we sort of alluded to last week, the story that I think they were planning on announcing over the Qatar weekend and then decided not to for hmm. understandable circumstances is that Pirelli have been confirmed as the tyre supplier for three additional seasons. So that will be 2025, 26 and 27. Um, which will take them into the first two years of the new technical technical regulations, which we mentioned. Reportedly, it was between them and Bridgestone, and in the end, F1 have stuck with Pirelli. Um, we already knew Michelin had dropped out of bidding because basically Michelin said, we've got no interest in making tyres that intentionally degrade and fall <laughs> off a cliff, which I can understand from a tyre manufacturer's point of view. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the most sensible choice. Like if Bridgestone had won this tender, which would have started in 2025, they'd have had to come in, make a tyre for the current regulations for a single season, and then start making tyres for the new regulations. So they've had to suddenly spend the next two years basically making two specs of tyres simultaneously. Like, Yeah. It's a big ask, isn't it, I suppose? And I think sticking with what you know in that kind of climate is probably the most sensible thing but also in the grand scheme of things like i would say 75 percent, if not more of the issues that people face with tires and pirelli is not actually pirelli's own doing it's the silly the silly criteria that form and the fia and whoever it is yeah. put on them of like of this thing of like Make the most durable tire possible. Let's let's do this. They do it. Oh, we don't like this. This is boring. Make the tires less durable so that they can only do twenty laps a race. Okay, we'll do it. Like no, they they're dropping off a cliff too quick. Like it's it's just constantly like F, moving target. F one are never happy with the situation. And to be fair to Pirelli, they do quite well to adjust and alter the tires to meet what fob like demand of them basically every other season. Yeah. Um I mean I'm not saying that they're completely without fault. They've they've had their own issues, but yeah. For the most part it's generally <laughs> FOM's fault. <laughs> yeah. Do you think um do you think the tires should be do you think they should be able to push from, you know, the start of a stint to the end of a stint on the tires? Cuz that's basically what we had in Qatar, wasn't it? Like yeah, there was no tire saving. Yeah. I think yeah. I think that it should be developed in a way that yes, the the tires have a life that is not a full Grand Prix distance, but is a little more, I guess, a little easier to work with in terms of being able to push it. I don't know if that's what like the fall off the cliff element was always supposed to be. Is that you should be that this this tire is designed to do eighteen laps. You should be able to push from lap one to lap eighteen. If you go beyond that you're going to struggle like Mm -hmm. maybe that is the point of the cliff but i just feel like teams work around that essentially that's the thing i think it's always difficult for any tire supplier to to get this spot on because no matter what spec you 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 know design that tire how long you design that tire to last the teams are always the drivers are always able to eke out that extra bit of time but you know if you if you push whatever tire it is you're driving if you push it less hard for a period of time then it's gonna last longer you know because you're using less yeah. of the rubber you're using less of that compound that's built up around the tire itself so it's it's 
I find it a strange one. I don't really know what the solution is. I think having tires that they can push on that only last a certain number of laps is kind of impossible. But you can't yeah. specify like the exact yeah. number of laps that no, a tire is going to last, every car especially is across 10 different cars and 20 different drivers. Yeah. Each driver's got their own driving style. Each car is different, you know, treats its t- tires slightly differently. So one car, I mean, we see it now, one car that might, you know, whose tires might last, get get to the end of the race, another car, like, you know, for example, the Red Bull, another car, like a Haas, might only last five laps on that exact same compounded yeah. tyre. So. I mean, I mean, you'll have to look at Ferrari. Like, if the tyres were manufactured in a way that they desi- they're designed to last a specific number of laps, Ferrari probably wouldn't finish a race. <laughs> or they'd finish it at the back. Like, mm. I mean, to be, to be fair to Ferrari, the last few races... They seem to have gotten on top of that, to be fair. But in the last couple of seasons, it's been something that they've particularly struggled with. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think what, what, and and again, I think like, I'm not sure what difference it makes who, who, what brand name is on the tire anyway. I think if, as long as, you know, for, for as long as the FIA or former mandating what the tire should be like and yeah. the the company is doing what they say then it doesn't matter whether it's this Pirelli along the side of it Michelin Bridgestone whatever like yeah. it's still going to be the same tire because it's still going to behave the same way because they're all driving the same tire and it's what they've been asked to do so yeah yeah it exactly it's, yeah. it's one of those things that just okay it's tires isn't it I just don't care <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not bothered what what word is written on the side of the tire? All I care about is that it it's safe and it and it and they can use it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's that's what we've got. So yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, um, should we do the next bit? Yeah, um, happy news. Um, Spa has got another one year contract extension, so that keeps F1 uh, in Belgium for 2024 and 2025. Now, um, I mean, I wish it had been a longer extension because. Everybody wants it there. They've like you know they've made improvements to the track as well now. A lot of the things that yeah. mm. F1 used to say was holding that track back, they've worked on. Um, mm-hmm. It's the the contracts for um, circuits are kind of wild at the moment. Do you want to yeah. do you want me to run through them? Because well, yeah, we've got do, some do, on do, like do. ten year deals, haven't we? Some of them are hilarious. So as things currently stand, we've got Britain and Japan both expire end of. Next season, I fully suspect both those get renewed though. Get, um, get ready for the Silverstone stops sob story after this. Oh week, yeah, this year's well, next year's race. We keep building hotels and luxury apartments, but we still can't <laughs> afford to host the race. Yeah, don't get me started. On I mean, you've literally uh, called the headline. <laughs> <laughs> so. um, expiring in twenty twenty five, we've got China. Hilariously, I mean that race haven't hosted a race <laughs> since what supposed to happen next year. We'll see. <laughs> Um, Imola, Monaco, now Belgium, Netherlands, Monza, Mexico, and Brazil all also expire in 2025. Oh dear. 2026, Baku, Spain, and Austin. I worry about Austin going forward. Of the three American tracks, that's the one I'd like to keep the most. I worry a little bit about them going forward. But that's why. Any, yeah, any reason why? F1 seems to have way more interest in having races in Miami and Vegas than it does Austin. Basically. I mean, a proper race circuit. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Feel, I feel that that's just 
a bit of a novelty though. I think the Miami novelty will probably wear off over the next season or two. Vegas probably not so much because of well, the environment we'll it's in. But yeah, I think the Miami novelty will possibly wear off a little bit. So uh, yeah, I think I, mean, I think I think Kota's safe generally. I re- I hope so. I hope you're right. Uh, then we got Singapore 2028, Saudi Arabia, Austria, and Abu Dhabi 2030. Miami and Canada 2031. I'm happy to see Canada that far along the list because yeah. for a long time that was one of the races that was like one year extensions and nothing more. So I'm glad they're so yeah. far up. This is the which circuits does Chris like podcast? <laughs> Carry on. Um, then we've got Hungary, Qatar, and Vegas 2032. The fact that Vegas has a deal that long and we've not even had a race there is what? wild. Yeah. That is bizarre. Oh, my goodness. I hope this race turns out to be good. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we jump from 2032 to 2036 for Bahrain and then 2037 for Australia. Whoever got that 2037 deal for Australia is just a genius. genius like I don't know yeah. how they put that deal together. Mm. Because again, Australia for a good number of years was like, oh, are they even going to keep it? I, yeah, well, I the locals that... have, have been annoyed about it for years and years and years, haven't they? Like, yeah. They're not a huge fan. There's a lot of like, sort. there's a fair amount of local um, disapproval of, of them taking over the park for a week every mm-hmm. year. I think, yeah, I think there's been a lot of, I've moved next to a place that hosts F1 races and now I'm going to complain about F1 races. Yeah. Well, the same happened to Formula E in Battersea, didn't it? Everyone started yes. kicking off because there was a race going on in the. You know, there's one weekend of racing. In, yeah, I mean the, the, the only in Crystal Palace. The, the only <laughs> slight the whole, the whole difference there. Disappears. I mean the the only slight difference between Battersea and Melbourne is Melbourne's been on the Formula One calendar calendar for quite a long time. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. They must. Uh, they must really like Oscar Astro, I guess, and hope he's going to stick around for that many years. Yeah, yeah. Expected. Well, they got Danny Ricardo as well. Yeah. Going, going back they to do. Red Bull, I'm sure, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> um, quick, other couple of bits to wrap up. Um, Ollie Behrman is going to be getting the FP1 drives for Haas. Um, so he's a F2 race winner. He's a Ferrari junior. He had a run in a 2021 Ferrari at Fiorano the other day. Um, yeah. And he's getting run out for Haas in Mexico and Abu Dhabi. Um, have you been following Formula 2 or Oli Behrman's yes. career thus far? He's He's got the goods. He's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree. He started very quietly in F2 and then sort of ramped up extremely quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. he's he's still got a bit of a way to go. I think his tire tire usage again tires he's he's pretty hard on his tires well I, in fact i haven't watched a race for a while an f2 race he might have sort of recovered that now but what i from what i saw of him early on he looked like he was a bit of a tire muncher but as time it's just one of those things it's getting used to a new formula isn't it and understanding yeah. the tire and working with what you've got so um he's already had a second f2 season confirmed for next year so yeah, yeah. I yeah. think he'll he'll he should do really well next year. I think there's definitely yeah. one to watch for next year for a Formula Two, yeah. uh, for, you know, race wins, maybe even a title. Uh, we got a couple of special liveries this weekend. Now, who will have a special livery? Um, Red Bull are running the second one of their fan-made liveries. Um, you may forget that they ran one in Miami because it was so incredibly similar to yeah, their normal livery. Thing. 
They're like, oh yeah, we're going to let the fans design it, but that can design like within a very strict set of parameters for this small part of the car. But first, you must copy pasta. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Um, Don't what it looks like yet, but it's, I don't know. We'll see. We'll find Um, out. We'll find out on Friday. Yeah. And then Haas also running a special livery, which is in, this is interesting given what we were talking about with kind of, Andretti and sponsors and the potential American market for sponsors. Um, so has to run in a stars and stripes livery because they always seem to remember their American once a year for this race. Um, and they've they're said, not, they, what you mean? They're not Russian. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Um, and they've said, whatever this means, they're going to be using the tagline. We, the people, what that means. I have no idea. Right. Okay. Yeah. But, we the There's people can't design a fast Formula One car. <laughs> There's a quote it's... here that's been attributed to Gunter Steiner, but it's it, very clearly has is it marketing. Not, is it not part of the Constitution? It is the first three words of that, the Constitution. There you go then. It'll be something to do with that, won't it? it? It is. I just don't know what that means in terms of a livery on a Formula One car for a weekend. Cool. Formula it's One cars don't have don't have a tagline, so you can't just say this is the tagline we're using it's, this weekend. It's the, that's not a we thing. are American and we want sponsors it's, from yeah. America, and yeah. that's what it is. So here's here's a quote from Gunter Steiner, aka Haas Marketing Department. There's obviously a lot of talk about American teams right now, but we're still currently the only American team on the Formula One grid. Many have said for years that we haven't exploited that fact, but I've always said that's because we want to earn credibility within the paddock first. Which is There's something to it, I suppose. There is, but at the same time, like if Andretti come barreling in waving the stars and stripes, like if anything, I'd be worried if I were an IndyCar team that if Andretti move to F well move, but Andretti enter F one, maybe take an IndyCar driver or two with them. Uh, IndyCar sponsors going to be looking at their thinking, oh, I'm going to get a lot more eyes on my sponsorship in F one than I am in IndyCar, like. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting I mean, one. There's some there's some pretty big names that are kind of already tied to both sports. Like I don't know, DHL's essentially a full car branding, isn't it? In India, and there's a lot yeah. of DHL connection to Formula One. Whether they be that's more of a FOM sponsor directly, though, isn't it? it? Sponsors the sport. It's like the official whole year of the sport. But I think there's a lot of brands like that that could find their way onto teams if there's this yeah, like definitely. America connection yeah um, and the last little interesting thing is that um, the I think we might have spoken about this ages ago there's a Braun GP sort of docu-series thing that weirdly is being fronted by Keanu Reeves um, yeah. that's, that's going to be on Disney Plus on the 15th of November so a few weeks from now um, and I've said it's going to have like behind the scenes footage and interviews with Jensen and Rubens and Ross Braun and, uh, and various people involved. Um, so I'm quite looking forward to that. Yeah. Should um, be good. Yeah. Which kind of leads us into talking properly about the Austin weekend. Yes. So uh, I'll take us through some storylines. And uh, yeah, interesting to read about the uh, Braun GP documentary. I'll, I'll watch that on Disney Plus, even though I just yeah, got rid of my Disney Plus seats. Well, subscription. So maybe, I won't. maybe a... I'll come around to yours, Chris, and watch it there. <laughs> um, during Thanksgiving. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, so some storylines leading into the USA Grand Prix at Circuit of the Americas in Austin. Um, new floor for Mercedes. Um, they're continuing to develop towards 2024. This should sort of give them, according to uh, their team, that they're looking at sort of this as a as a waypointer for their development next season. So if this goes, they're not necessarily expecting lots and lots and lots of pace from this, but um, in theory, it should give them some ideas about whether or not the direction they're taking is working. So quite a lot riding on this. Uh, yeah, no pressure. From Mercedes, no pressure there. Yeah. Although it always takes like a couple of, you know, especially in a sprint weekend, like they're not going to get that much running of this thing before yeah. the race. So it's going to be interesting to see, what effect it does, if any, on their pace. So, um, yeah, that's one thing to keep an eye on. Um, Haas, speaking of updates, Haas have brought a lot of updates. Basically a new car, but basically the Red Bull, by the sound of it. Um, <laughs> I mean, to... we've said it before, if you're going to copy something, at least copy the yeah. thing that's winning. <laughs> well, that this is it. Like, it worked for McLaren, so yeah. why shouldn't it work for Haas? Like, if they're... If the sketch pad's that good, then it should be uh, <laughs> should be quite an uptick in pace if they can get their head around it. But um, obviously, Haas have been talking it down, playing it down, and uh, yeah, it'll be it will be interesting to see if if it does again if it, if it lifts them from what is essentially the bottom of the standings. You know, the ball at least the, they've got the, looks like they've got the slowest car for the moment in in race trim, yeah, especially so. They're in quite a tight battle with some of the other teams, with like Williams and Alfa Romeo as well for for points, leading into the last sort of few races of the season. So it'll be yeah, it'll be very important for them to I think yeah. you know to scrape them off the bottom of the table and and get them into contention for some uh, some good circuits for that to have some impact though coming up in reality in this triple header you've got yeah well you know, you've got the Austin is a big one yeah that's what, that well the, yeah you've got this this weekend you've got Mexico and you've got Brazil right. A triple header, yeah. so mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good run of three to to try and have a good update, and make a significant difference with the back to back weekends. Yeah, and I think Cota is a good one actually to evaluate a, a big yeah. update because it's it's got a yeah. good range bit of, of yeah, a bit of everything. It's got some slow corners, got fast corners, got medium corners. Like it's got it's got bumps, it's got all the things that you got need long for these cars, long straights yeah. to, I think bumps are kind of key as well. Like if you, if you can design a current generation Formula One car that can handle bumps and, and not ruin itself <laughs> then, or ruin its aero package by going <laughs> over bumps, then I think you're onto a winner. Just look at how good the Red Bull is over bumps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's that one track limits is my next storyline. We had a lot of track limits, obviously at, um, in, in Qatar, there are opportunities at the Circuit of the Americas for there to be huge track limits violations. Definitely. Um, there are plenty of places on that circuit where it's really easy to go run wide. And I'm curious to see how the FIA, the stewards, are going to handle that this oh. weekend and how disciplined the drivers are going to be because there's some wide open spaces where you can just run wide. and think. In the past, we've had people running wide they've usually been quick to get on top of it the final yeah. corner is a, is a big one um, so yeah what do you guys think do you, think do you expect to see many violations <clears throat> this weekend yeah. I mean they need to be consistent with it at least like places like probably turn one that outside of turn one uh, mm-hmm. for people trying to carry speed through mm-hmm. there and then the last two left handers like the, using the, what we call the IndyCar line for a little while <laughs> is a bit of banter 
Um, so I think, yeah, I think those need, will probably be, end up being policed and probably pick up some, at least warnings, if not penalties. Um, yeah. yeah. I think like end of the back straight as well is potentially one. And turn 15, which is like coming out of the stadium section before the long right-hander. There's, there's, yeah. there's a lot of potential there. Um, I guess the the question always is like, are you actually gaining lap time by using these track limits? And I don't think a lot of these are quite as egregious as the likes of Austria and Qatar, but um, mm. certainly that IndyCar I mean, line I... through the penultimate corner gains you lap The thing time. is, Chris, yeah. if, if they weren't gaining lap time, they wouldn't be doing it. They wouldn't anything. be doing it, exactly. Well, that's I... the thing, isn't it? It's like if, if it's happening very occasionally and it's because drivers have gone a bit deep into a corner, they're not going to worry about it. But if it's... Every, every car is like on the line, then yeah, I yeah. Think gonna, we might have another yeah. strong racing situation. I mean, if they did what they did at Qatar, I know they're not quite the same corner because the corners at Qatar are more, let's call them Turkey esque, with that sort of like it's like a triple Low apex, grip. isn't it? But yeah, um, <laughs> uh, like it's like a triple apex that you can just kind of sweep round. And I know the end of the lap at Qatar is not like that, but there is an element of. You take those two corners as a single entity, don't you? Realistically, um, mm. so I think that's that's the kind of thing that you can abuse by running wide because you can essentially just carry more speed between the two corners by doing it. Um, so yeah, I think that's the main one to watch. Um, I can't, I genuinely can't remember how many we got dished out last year. Like I know it came up, but I genuinely couldn't tell you how many penalties we had. I feel last year. like there's one or two at the exit of turn one, but that was about it. As far yeah. as I remember, yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, next one is McLaren. Can they keep up the good form? Um, they are on the hunt for third in the constructors. Um, they reckon it's doable. I think it's doable. Um, they're going to have to have some excellent performances. I think this is a key one as well. I think they need to do well here. If they do well here, I'm going to say I'm going to break out the old uh, <laughs> the old old phrase. If they do well here, they will do well for the rest of the season. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, it'll they, be interesting how well McLaren can, can uh, string it together this week. They were very good at Silverstone. Yeah. And yes. Characteristically, in terms of corners, it's a similar characteristic. Silverstone's also as smooth as you like, and this is kind of the opposite. So yeah, um, yeah, there are sections, very bumpy sections. Yeah. The top of the hill is very, very bumpy in. Uh, in, in this the top of the hill at the back is very very yeah. bumpy up circuit. I, so might, I mean, they might have resurfaced it. They might have fixed it, but maybe for a while it's been yeah, it's been pretty bumpy, it's been pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. McLaren so. catching Aston for fourth is a given now, but yeah, Ferrari for third would be a big ask, especially it's a big ask, also but chasing Mercedes. Dude, it is totally doable. Like if 100%. they can keep up these performances, then and if they keep, they, all they have to do is keep beating Ferrari, and then it, it could get, you know, it could be the thing that gets us into the final race with a bit of intrigue. So yeah. let's yeah. not write it off. Let's 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 keep try to keep this one going and second and to fifth. Well, I mean, well, it's like perhaps. it's like eighty points, which if you finish in like second and third, that's four races to overturn if the the other team's yeah. not having a good weekend. Yeah, well, so, if they just keep beating them, they'll overturn it in four races, essentially. Yeah, and and sprint weekends obviously add to that. So yeah, yeah that's true. Scoring points in sprint races. Yeah. Um, they really need Norris to show up during qualifying this weekend for yeah. this to mm-hmm. work out for them. Um, 
Piastri's obviously been doing the business this last few races. Pressure's on Norris, I think, I would say. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hopefully for McLaren. I mean, this is the team I'm kind of like backing now for the rest of the season. I want to see them, you know, they've got an interesting storyline leading us right up to the end of the season. It's going to be exciting to watch them sort of push for this result and and hopefully get it by the end of the year. And obviously, we're all McLaren fans here. We all enjoy. I mean, one of us wearing the hat. So I'm always wearing the hat, or yeah. the shirt, or the socks, well. or the trousers, or the, the vest, or the sunglasses. <laughs> victim. McLaren victim over here. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's let's watch that one play out over the rest of the season and see how it turns out. The final one we've got is Ricardo is finally returning to Formula One. Um, after his Yay. broken hand at Zandvoort. So, mm. yeah, it feels like a long time ago now, doesn't it? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how well he does, how quickly he can get on the ball again. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully he can remain injury-free for the remainder of the season yeah. and, and just get I his mean, eye in and get these final five races under his belt so he can potentially get the the big job next year when they yeah. inevitably sack <laughs> Sergio Perez. <laughs> He's not, yeah, he's not got much to drive for in terms of his championship position, obviously. You mentioned like the Haas position earlier on, like Alpha Terry are currently bottom and they are seven points behind Haas. So that's maybe a target he can aim for is to sort of try and overhaul that gap. Um, yeah. But yeah, ultimately yeah. he just needs to perform, outperform UK, prove he's still got the goods. Yeah, 100%. And that's it. That's all the storylines this week. Shalt, we do yeah. predictions. Let's do a little bit Let's. of predicting. Um, if anyone at home wants to get involved with this, you always can do, and it's always worth doing because we do have a prize if you uh, manage the elusive five out of five. Uh, head to backofthegrid.com if you want to find out more about that. In terms of us, let's make our predictions going forward for this weekend. So fastest in Q3. Uh, let's start with Chris on this one. It was Carlos Sainz last year. In fact, it was a Ferrari 1-2 in qualifying last year. Yeah. It was a long time ago. It was. <laughs> and he also didn't end well in the race. But that, I mean, that's not to say that they've, they can't, they couldn't do the same thing again. We need a klaxon for when someone's filibustering because... Um, I mean, I'm doing is... it on his behalf. And we're <laughs> yeah, both yeah, doing it on his behalf we, at this We're point. giving him space because we can see <laughs> he's struggling to think of something. But we need to stop and just make him make a decision. Make a decision. I'm going to take a punt and say Norris. Oh. Ooh. I mean, oh. whoa, that is a wowzer. I'm bored of saying Verstappen every week, so well, I'm okay. going okay. a little bit out there. Who isn't, Stu? But are you going to do it anyway? Well, I was thinking, I was actually thinking Piastri. <laughs> Piastri, are you going with it? I think it's become a more interesting... I think Quali has yeah. become a more interesting prospect towards yeah. the end of the season, especially since McLaren have found some form. So. And it, what also helps is sprint weekends, meaning that there's literally just the one practice session on the Friday afternoon before they go into qualifying. I had completely forgotten this was a makes sprint. a big difference. It does. It gives them less opportunity to get on top of whatever yeah. issues they might have, whatever team we're talking yep. about. Um, but no, time. I'm going to go Piastri. I'm going to I'm okay. going to take Piastri for this one. Okay. So I'm going to do something a little bit different to both of you. So I'm going to stick with my usual Verstappen in quality, but I'm actually going to put a Norris win down. It's coming. 
It's happening. Ooh. I'm going there. <laughs> are we just putting the curse on McLaren for this weekend here? Basically, I think we are. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse your predictions then. Okay. I think I think the Red Bull DRS is gonna do just the destroy the race. McLaren. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Stu? Uh, I'm gonna go Norris. Ooh. <laughs> I like this. This is at least non-conformist <laughs> to some degree. Um, right. Let's move on to uh, first DNF. Um, any takers on a first DNF? Dare I have one. anyone say Ricardo? Dare anyone no. say Verstappen? No. <laughs> He's due a DNF. He's not had a DNF all season, has he? No. Um, I mean, I'm going for the obvious one. It fits my, my um, MO perfectly of Logan Sargent. Yeah. Home race, straight into the gravel trap or wall Savage. or somebody else. Um, I'll go... Um, I'm going to go special livery curse and I will say... Magnuson or Hulk? Magnuson. Magnuson. I mean, American team, special livery. Mm-hmm. This is recipe itself. of disaster, isn't it? Right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Verstappen special livery Verstappen. <laughs> oh, actually, no. Let's go Perez. Oh. <laughs> okay. I don't think it's a terrible bet. So, Perez, to is, be honest, it's the form at the minute is has not yeah, been great. It's is, not awful. Is that more of a you want that McLaren scenario on merit rather than it being because Verstappen DNF? Yes, it I think is that. I feel and like there's a I little think... element of that in that prediction. <laughs> yeah, and I think also just Perez makes more sense because. Special livery still, and because um, he's more likely to, he's been getting wrapped up in silly incidents that he shouldn't have been involved in. Mm-hmm. True, he's not qualifying well enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the desperation and the pressure on him at the moment is leading to mistakes. So I think Perez is actually pretty valid, a valid um, guess yeah. at this point. So yeah, that's where I'm going. All makes sense. Number of finishers, uh, Chris, do you want to go first on this one? Uh. It was 17 last year. I'll say 17 again this year. Okay. Stu, anything from you on that one? Um, 17 is a good guess, but I I don't want to do the same, so I'm going to go 16. Okay. I'm going to be a little more optimistic, and I'm going to go 18. It's, it's a track with a lot of runoff and stuff, so I'm hoping most people will survive. Yeah. Uh, and then... Lawrence, oh, Lance Stroll could go into the back of someone just totally <laughs> innocuously, though. Probably... Probably Logan Sargent and Lance Stroll yeah. together. Just like, Wasn't that into Alonso? It was Alonso. Yeah, it was Alonso when that mm. happened. And then Alonso just carried on like nothing happened. Yeah, yeah. like mental. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and then the last one for this is our random driver. So can you let us know who that is this week, please, Chris? Yep. We're down to our final three drivers. Uh, Valtteri Bottas. Valtteri Bottas. Difficult because they had a little bit of an uptick in form last time out makes that one a little bit harder points finishes as well wasn't it yes so it was double points finish for that That does make it a little more difficult i think teams improving around them might give them a bit more of a challenge i'm gonna go 12th i'm going 10th i'm gonna get point. still points still points for butter point. he'll get point, point. He'll get, get point. point. Singular point. I think their car might get shown up a little bit at this track, and I'm going to go... 13th. Okay. Right, and that wraps up predictions. So, as I said earlier, if you'd like to get involved with this or any of the fantasy leagues we do, head to backofthegrid.com and all the info will be there.
Cool. Nice. Um, um, final bit of uh, newsy sort of semi-news stuff. We've got an F1 Academy thing, Chris. Yeah, so it's the final weekend of uh, the first F1 Academy uh, season this weekend, also in Austin. First time it's been a support race for F1. And it's also going to be the first time you'll be able to actually watch the races live on TV. Weirdly, for the whole first season, they've sort of done a YouTube highlights thing after the fact. But um, yeah, it's on the same same uh, lineup as F1. Uh, basically, wherever you normally watch F1, you should be able to watch the F1 Academy races. Um, there's going to be two races Saturday and one on Sunday, um, both before. I think that, I think the Saturday ones are between sprint quality and the sprint and the sunday one obviously before the grand prix so um yeah you can check the, you it. can check the tv guide to find out you can check it. the tv guide don't <laughs> take my word for it but yeah please do watch it because it's been what i've seen of it has been pretty good um and the championship is still alive going into these final three races um so yeah should be should be worth a watch and i, th- I believe next year the plan is that most if not all the races are going to be f1 support events and it will all be on tv so yeah, go watch that. Yeah, cool. Just just a quick reminder before we move completely away from predictions. We've talked about it already, but it's a it's a sprint weekend, so predictions will close for UK people. It's Friday evening, Saturday afternoon, sometime in the states. Rest of the world, I'm sorry, you'll have to use an international clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just look just look up on Formula One when it when qualifying starts, and that's yeah, when you can. That's when that's, it that's the hard limit. Um, okay, a uh, bit of inbox uh, before we leave. Who's going to do this essay for us? Not to do anything, so we've had the jingle. Uh, yeah, how, how dare you uh, skip how past rude. the jingle? <laughs> People are here for this more than anything else. Come on, then. Keep <laughs> <laughs> uh, saying now. I can do this long one if you want because I have pre-read it. So there you go then. All right, from Wes. Have we all drank the Kool-Aid, or in this case, the Red Bull? Uh, Have we bought into the Marco narrative? Uh, So Checo's average finishing position through to Qatar is four point six nine. Hamilton's the only driver other than Max that's got a better average finishing position of four point five. Yes, Hamilton's been more consistent in his finishing position. They've both had one DNF, but it's not like Checo is wildly flailing about. His average finishing position's first eight races of 4.6, since then 4.7. Yes, a bit worse, but not a huge plunge. Unless something goes spectacularly wrong, he'll still finish P2. I get that he's in the fastest car on the grid and there are some pretty high expectations on him, but when you've been given a car that's designed for someone else with a different driving style, shouldn't there be a real expectation that Checo won't or can't mirror Max? I just kind of feel like Checo is getting a raw deal. So I would say that in terms of his race pace, I don't think there's a problem. I'm not, I don't have a problem with his finishing results, generally speaking, with this caveat, considering where he's starting from. And therein lies the problem for me. His his average finishing position of fourth, fifth around that mark is okay when you are starting from the back, but he's starting from the back consistently through his own fault and his own doing. Even if he was just getting to Q3 and starting somewhere in the top 10, he'd be second behind Max every single race. And that that is the problem. It's not that yeah. he's not getting into the points and he's not picking points up. It's just the... Yeah, it's the it's the poor qualifying for me. 
starting yeah. so far back and then leading to something Stu touched on earlier of getting almost desperation up. and then getting tangled up with people because just desperate to get moves done on people to move through the field. And you can see that getting like almost worse. I mean, admittedly, one the most recent one, he was a passenger in, but before yeah. that they'd been there'd been a few leading up to it. But again, if he'd not qualified like he'd if he not had the issues that he did, he exactly. wouldn't have been in the position to have got caught exactly. up in that. So he needs to qualify better. But I think there's look, there's a theme emerging not just with Sergio Perez, but at Red Bull. And that's, you know, drivers tend to start quite close to Max Verstappen at the start of the season. And as the season goes on, they get further and further and further <laughs> away from him. And I don't believe that that's just because Max Verstappen is a better driver and is is you know getting better and better and better with the same car. I think it's that it's it's pretty obvious that any Formula One team where that happens, it's because the car is being designed f- to favour a particular yeah. the lead driver, yeah. the number yeah. one driver. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just you know through last season, Perez was pretty quick over the, for the for the first few races. He was quite competitive. And then as time went on, he just got further and further and further away from his teammate. And the same has happened this year. And it's just so mm. obvious. It's just so clear that they'll always deny it, but all the well, teams like, do it. Every single team does it. They drive, they they identify, especially in a championship fight, they identify yeah. their number one driver and they design the car for that driver because they want that world championship. They want to win races. It's logical. Yeah. I've so, read a quote from Checo earlier in the week where he basically said the upgrade that they bought in Barcelona kind of took the car away from the way he wants to drive it and since then he's been having to kind of drive in a different way to get the most out of the car not in a natural way and he said he said he's asked the team if they can go back to a sort of pre-Barcelona spec for him the team basically said it's not realistic to run two specs of car especially all these flyaways which is up to a point I can understand, especially with the budget cap kind of thing. And you well, can't really I mean, up. they've already made all those parts. They already have all those parts. <sighs> you can. He's, he's, he's smashed all those parts up, Stu. Well, you forget yeah. about it. Um, <laughs> but I think the, the trouble is, like, you know, uh, to pick an example, like in the Ferrari Schumacher era, they were clearly building cars for him. Yeah. But Rubens Barrichello, Eddie Irvine, Felipe Massa, they all managed to finish second or third behind him most of the time and yeah yeah Checo's just not getting close enough and yes he may well still finish p2 this season but i think that speaks more to the gap that red bull have had this year and to the level of competition they've had and i don't believe for a second red bull are going to have an easier time next year as they have this year. We were saying that this time last year. <laughs> I really don't think so. Um, and I don't think the way Checo's driven this year would get him anywhere near second if they had closer competition. So that, That's the problem, isn't it? He's, he's got a very competitive McLaren and a seemingly on the brink of competitive Mercedes wedged right in between him and his teammate. So it's like four cars. I mean, the the comparison to Hamilton's finishing position probably tells you all that you need to. Like yeah. a car that's not been on it all season, um, had its moments, but is they're still developing it and putting huge upgrades to it, is in the same ballpark of finishing position. <laughs> so I think, yeah. yeah. There you go. I appreciate Wes. I appreciate yeah. Wes trying to give Checo a bit of a a defense there, but. 
he just needs to fix his qualifying. If it, that is a simple fact of it, that's where his problem lies. Fix yeah. that, and the whole problem generally goes away. Okay, let's move on to the next one before we get accused of being Red Bull conspiracy theorists yet again. Oh, wait. Um, um, Next one is from Paul. Um, Paul says, hey, man, do you think that Red Bull might give Checo the option to retire at the end of the season to save face rather than sacking him? Why have we included this? (laughs) I just said that. No, Paul, what are you doing to us? Um, I think they might give him the option to retire. Yes, I think he's getting sacked, if anything. I've, I've made my my stance clear on this i don't think but just the way things are shaping up at red bull makes it abundantly clear that they want rid of sergio perez so they can get someone mm. some more yeah. red bully in there in the last i would say probably in the last two races i've gone from i'll be surprised if they replace him to i'll be surprised if he stays for next season there um yeah there was a story knocking around that he was gonna be that like someone had been at an event where someone involved in his sponsorship had said he was going to announce his retirement in Mexico. Whether there's any truth to that is very much, you know, it was a bit of a, my uncle works at Nintendo and he said kind of story. (laughs) (laughs) But at the very least, I think they're waiting until after Mexico to announce he's not in the car next year. Yeah. Interesting. Which is interesting. uh, It's a little harsh in a way as well, because, You'd, if that was going to happen, you'd probably kind of want to know that that's... Un- unless the decision is made internally, at least. Like, you'd you'd want... Like, if you were in that situation as Perez, you'd probably want to at least know that that's your last home Grand Prix, unless you find another seat. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't like, think it'd struggle to find another seat. I think there's other think, teams that would absolutely bite your hand off for him, off for him but I, I just... Yeah, but where in the minute? Wrestle. There is there's no seats at the minute, is there? That's the Williams, problem. There's one seat. The, well, yeah, there's it. that one. That is it. I so, don't hate that. I don't hate Perez to Williams. I think he's got a lot to give that team. I mean, it's Maybe. it's sort of smacks of his earlier career with like teams like Sauber and Force India and all the other guys as that team had. Like, probably would suit him a lot better being where. I mean, look at look at how Albans thrive there. Like yeah. going from that high pressure, high intensity Red Bull atmosphere to let's get the best that we can out of this kind of more relaxed atmosphere, and look how he's thriving now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if he refines his form there, it could actually be quite a good driver lineup. To be fair, Albon. Well, it's Perez. not just that; it's, it's the it's the knowledge he brings from Red Bull as well. He's had a few yeah. years working yeah, with yeah. Red Bull now. Um, that's a team that are resurgent. They're they're looking to you know they've got a a former engineer as their team principal from Mercedes. They've got James Vowles there. So yeah. bringing in a driver from another top team would be an absolute dream for Williams. And I think that could be maybe why they're they're hanging fire on this second seat because they want to see what happens to Perez and leave the door open for him if he does get binned off by Red Bull. Yeah. Should we do the last one. Yep, uh, Max has asked, uh, "Hey man, do you think they'll mention Cota or Las Vegas more during the Grand Prix at Cota?" My bet is on Las Vegas. <laughs> My bet is also on Las Vegas. Yeah, well. I think I, I wouldn't agree be surprised. That. Well, if yeah. you're David Croft, man, if you're watching the Sky coverage, oh, David Croft yeah. won't shut up about. Ooh, let's do a comparison. Vegas. You you count Croft here. I'll count Alex James. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think I'll I don't think I'll manage to see. What am I doing this weekend? I might. Oh, maybe I will see most of it. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that that sort of 
that finishes off for this week. So um, yeah, if you've got this far, do uh, bung us a like and uh, pop us a comment in if you agree or disagree with anything we say. Try to be nice if you do that. Don't be don't be mean. Don't be insulting or anything like yeah. that. Just be a nice person. Just We're just be nice to dif- each other. Happy for different opinions. Yeah, happy for different opinions. Not happy for offensive comments. They get you blocked. Um, <laughs> so yeah. That's it for this week. We will see you next week when we review the USA Grand Prix. So catch you then. Bye. Bye, Bye. Rob.